to be with you guys this weekend, and thanks for joining us online. A lot of changes going on, so this is our first weekend kind of reintroducing live in-person gatherings in the building, and so we had two great drive-in weekends and got to see many of you there, and maybe even we'll get to see some of you at the uh, gatherings this weekend or maybe at our family experience on Wednesday, and so it's just kind of a new kind of time for our church. And I thought it was a great time for us to maybe take a pause from the conversation we were having in First Peter and just for the next five weeks kind of have a conversation across all of our services. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love a good story. I love a good story. Actually, I love a good story when it's told by a really good storyteller. I don't know if you know any really good storytellers, but I love just sitting and listening to a true good story. In the Bible, Jesus was a master storyteller. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he was a master storyteller, and he told lots of stories. In fact, the stories that he told were called parables. Uh, There's somewhere around 40 of them, but all a parable is, it sounds like a church word, right? It sounds like a Bible word. A parable is just two words smashed together, and it means a, a little story that is laid alongside of a big idea. In other words, he told little stories to make a point. He wanted to make a point. And so what he did was these little stories were about familiar things, things the people listening would have been familiar with, and he was trying to illustrate things that maybe weren't as familiar. He wanted to take them a little deeper. So for the next five weeks, I just want to look at five little stories that Jesus told, these parables. And as we look at these five little stories, I want to kind of unwrap the big ideas in these five little stories. Now, I want to start this week with a story that, quite frankly, I feel good starting with this story. Here's why. Because Jesus, I think we might be able to agree with this, right? Jesus was the best preacher that ever existed, right? Ever lived. And he was the most incredible storyteller. And yet, when he told this story, if I'm reading it right, about 25% of his audience really got it, if that. And that kind of was like, wow, okay. Because sometimes when you teach or preach, not everybody gets it. Let me explain what I mean. I love what I get to do right? I love what I get to do. If I've never met you, I am one of the pastors here, and my role is the campus pastor. And so I get to to lead, I get to develop leaders, discipleship. One of the things I get to do, along with a team of others, is I get to be one of the primary teachers and preachers. And I love that. I feel like I was made to do that. Love the opportunity to do that. But, but that opportunity comes with responsibility, and that responsibility totally alters the way of life at the Gregory House. Let me, let me give you, for instance, I would tell you this, that the way my week rolls out is this, is that I devote a, a day and a half just to making sure, studying God's Word, and kind of making sure that we are communicating what God has to say, the truth of God's Word, about a day and a half. I start thinking about the next week's sermon after I deliver the last sermon on Sunday night, I start thinking about it, right? It totally alters my way of life. On my, I take a day off on Saturday. On my day off, I get up before anybody else. And here's what I do. You know what I do? I pull out my sermon for the next day. And I look over it, pray over it, want to make any tweaks. And then when everybody gets up, I engage. We have a great time. But around about 7, 38 o'clock, my family can see it in my eyes. I begin to disengage. What am I doing? I'm beginning to engage in what's going to happen the next day. I go to bed early, pray, polish, look at her. Why? Why? It's, it's a weight, it's a responsibility that I 
gladly embrace, love it. Why? Because God has a lot of things to say to people who do what I do, right? He says there's a lot of people who do what you do, Dan, that do it for the wrong reasons. They do it to bring glory to themselves. They want people to somehow pay attention to them. They do it maybe to get rich, whatever it might be. And so the Bible is full of warnings for people like me who do what I do with the wrong motives. Literally, when you read the Bible, it says this, if, if you in preaching, Dan, cause one of these little ones to stumble, why don't you just grab a millstone and tie it around your neck and jump into the sea? It's like, well, that's kind of interesting. Or if you add to what the Bible says, it says these plagues in this book will be added to you. It's like, wow. In fact, the book of James says this, not many of you should presume to be teachers because you'll be judged more strictly. All I'm saying is this, I'm humbled by the weight of the opportunity. I feel it weekly. I know what's at stake every week when I get a chance to teach. I know the Bible says this, that some of the things that we preach and teach will be the aroma of life to some. To some, it is literally the stench of death. Some people like it, some people won't. I get that. I actually love what I get the opportunity to do, but I feel the weight of it. The Bible has much to say to people who do what I do, but listen close. God has something to say to those who hear the word of God. He doesn't just have a lot to say to those who preach it and teach it. He has a lot to say to those who hear it. And he is saying, in short, in the story I want to look at today, be careful what you hear. And then he wants to say, be careful because when you hear it, be careful that you listen to it. That's what he's going to say to us today. He, literally, what Jesus is going to tell us in this story is this, is that you can have a personal quiet time, do Bible study in the morning, you can go to church, you can have your phone filled with Christian podcasts, you can be hearing the word of God all the time and not listening to it. In Luke 8, if you have a Bible, you can go there. We'll show you on the screen. But in Luke 8, Jesus is going to tell this story. When you read Matthew 13, it says this. It's the same story in Matthew that Jesus is gaining so much popularity that the crowds were so big that he had to get in a boat to teach this, right? But one thing about Jesus is the big crowds didn't seduce him because he knew there were some people in the crowd, right? They were there for a show, they were there to be entertained. Some of them were there because Jesus had this incredible ability to take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands of people. They're like, maybe we'll get a, a meal, right? But like he understood that he was talking to a big crowd, but not everybody was going to get what he was saying. And that is the purpose for this story. So he starts in an interesting way. In Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, he says, a large crowd gathering and people were coming to Jesus, town after town. He told this parable, right? A little story with a big idea. A farmer went out familiar, sow his seed, probably a satchel around his, his neck. He was kind of just pitching the seed, right? And as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path. That's where people walked. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Then Jesus said, some of that seed, he's throwing the seed, fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. He continued, he said, other seed fell among thorns and it grew up and with it and choked the plants. So the, the seed grew and it grew with the thorns and the thorns choked the plants out. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, hundred times more than was sown. Wow. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he was done. <laughs> End of sermon. 
can you imagine me doing this? I'm like, can you do that? Like, can you imagine me doing that? Like, like standing up some Sunday and saying what he just said, done. And then finishing my sermon saying something like this. Hey, you know, there was a guy who went to the grocery store and he bought some watermelons. And then he bought some carrots. And then he bought some strawberries. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then sit down. Aiden, play a song. Like, you'll be like, what's going on? Right? What's happening? Which is exactly what the disciples did. Because the disciples, in verse 9, said this. They said, what's this parable mean? Like, like they listened to Jesus' sermon, like, you're a really good preacher. You're a great storyteller. But like, they point me aside and like, but we don't get it. <laughs> right? But we don't get it. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom, now this is the part people skip, but we got to go here, have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Something important you need to see. Jesus says this, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something important. Jesus came not simply to forgive sins, but Jesus came, this is so key to understanding the Bible, to bring the message of the kingdom. Jesus' message is all about a kingdom and he's the king right? And so Jesus is talking about this message. The kingdom of God is all about the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of people who recognize Jesus as king. And so what he's saying is this kingdom comes different than you think. You see, the people he would have been talking to, stay with me on this, they would have seen kingdoms come and go. And the way those kingdoms came, they were kind of like a bulldozer, They just came by force. Alexander the Great, the Romans, boom. They're just like, clear the way. They were all about force and coercion. They were all about conformity. And Jesus says kingdom of God doesn't come that way. It doesn't come like a bulldozer. It comes like a seed. And in that little seed, it doesn't look very powerful. It looks weak, right? It looks fragile. But within that seed lies the power to transform a landscape. You see, a bulldozer can revolutionize things externally, but a seed can transform things internally. And that's all Jesus wants them to see, that the kingdom of God is different. Well, how does the kingdom of God come? How does the rule and the reign of Jesus in my life, in our lives, come? Well, that's what he says next. He says it comes by hearing. He says, if you've got ears to hear, I want you to hear. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. That's what he's saying. That's how it comes. The kingdom of God comes by hearing the message of the king. That's how you ought to think about it. The kingdom of God comes by listening to the message of the king. And that seed looks weak, fragile. It actually, in our culture, looks crazy, mixed up upside down because that message is of a king who triumphs by being tortured and killed. Raised again on the third day. That message, that seed that he's talking about, it says this, that literally his followers, those who recognize Jesus as king, they find their life by losing it. That message, that seed literally says that his followers, those who call him king, they become great by serving. They become free by forgiving that the meek inherit the earth. It is an upside down message. But he says that is the seed. And the point of the parable is this. Jesus wants them to start by saying this. Be careful what you hear. That's the seed. 
Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. The seed is God's word. And it is that message that gets sown into our life. The kingship of Jesus transforms totally and rearranges my life as I plant the seed of the message of the king in my life. Say that again. The kingship of Jesus in my life transforms and rearranges my life as I continually plant the message of the king in my life. And it's a matter, we won't spend much time here, but it's a matter of quality and quantity. These are the two questions you ought to ask yourself. First, you ought to say, it's a matter of quality. Am I planting good seed into my life? You're planting seed into your life. You're taking your cues from something is growing in your life. And I think what Jesus is saying, am I hearing the message of God's kingdom? What am I doing to plant the message of the king in my life? What am I doing to plant the message of the word of God in my life? Because it's only good seed that grows a good harvest. It's only the seed of the message of the king that grows a life that resembles the king. But I think it's also a message of quantity. How much good seed am I planting into my life? There are lots of things that are being planted into my life, and I think the question becomes, how much good seed am I planting? Can I just talk real straight with you as one of your pastors? The fact of the matter is, I think it's not just quality. Is there good seed being planted? But it's quantity. Am I reading it? Am I listening to it? Am I meditating on it? Am I sitting under the teaching of it? Can I suggest something? If you're somebody who calls yourself a follower of Christ, I don't know if you've ever been to to a, a, a buffet or a restaurant where they serve a, something called an appetizer. You know, an appetizer, love it, right? Or, or you go and they serve you this appetizer. What What is the purpose of that appetizer? Well, it's somehow to prepare you for the meal, right? I want to tell you something. A lot of times when you get the opportunity to sit under the teaching of different pastors here at Grace, it's kind of the appetizer. I would write this down somewhere. Sunday sermons are not enough to satisfy. They're part of the, they're part of it. I'm so glad they minister to you, but they're only part of it. And all I want this to be is the appetizer for sowing lots of good seed into your life, for you to develop a way to read it, to read it with others, to get in a group of two or three same-gendered people, read the Word of God, say, what does this mean? How does this impact my life? To meditate on it, to think about it, to pray over it, to memorize it. You see, you gotta be careful what you hear. I have so many people that come to me. They'll come into my office and they'll say, Pastor Dan, my life's a mess. And you know what they want from me? They want a bulldozer. They want a bulldozer. Can you give us something that's gonna remodel our marriage, that's gonna remodel my life, that's gonna remodel my priorities, remodel our family? And literally, I think what Jesus is saying is, wait, wait, wait. The message of the kingdom, the way this works is this. It's like taking the seed of the message of the king and begin over time sowing lots of good seed in your life. Now, here's the deal. The problem is never the seed. When I sow good seed into my life, the problem isn't the seed. I'll have people come to me and say, the Bible's not working. I've been coming to church for two weeks and nothing's changing. I've been reading the Bible for four weeks, nothing's changing. The problem is never the seed. And that's the reason Jesus told this story. Because the problem isn't the seed, 
The problem is always the soil the seed lands on. And the productivity of the seed is determined by the soil that it lands on. And so Jesus went on, and as he's kind of teaching them, I think the second big thing he wants them to know is that we've got to be careful how you listen. That you can hear and not listen. You can go to church, read the Bible, hear all kinds of podcasts, listen to Christian sermons. You can hear the word of God and still not listen. You know that. You know, many of you know that, and some of you are gals listening, and you know how you know that? Because you're married. Here, talk to your husband, and, and, and you'll say to him, do you hear me? And he's like, with the remote, watching ESPN, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're like, do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And you know that he hears you, but he's not what? He's not listening, right? I mean, I've heard that there is a wife somewhere whose name is Jennifer, happens to be my wife, who occasionally when that happens to her husband, right? And I'll be like, she'll start saying crazy stuff. She literally will say things like, and there is a pink elephant out in the backyard. And I'll be like, yeah, dear, that's awesome. That's great. Or she'll say, hey, you know, I bought a brand new car today. I'm like, well, that's wonderful, you know. She'll just say crazy stuff to make a point. Why? She knows that I can hear without listening. I think what Jesus is teaching in this parable is this. Be careful what you hear, but don't stop there. Be careful how you listen. You can hear it and not listen to it when it comes to the message of the king. That's what he's saying. So what he's really saying is, he who has ears to hear, let him be careful that he listens. Let him be careful that he listens. So the rest of the story helps us understand this. And as Jesus tells the rest of the story, I want you to find yourself, and I want you to do some soil sampling in your own life. Look what he says. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. What is this representing? I think this soil, the question is this. I need to ask myself, am I listening with a crusty heart? Right? He's literally talking about the seed that landed where people walked and it was impossible for the seed to penetrate the soil. That's what he's talking about. It's a hard heart. It's a crusty heart. This seed never makes its way in. This represents people, maybe this is you, who listen to the word of God, hear the word of God with cynicism or maybe simply with a cerebral heart. Like all they're interested in is the information, the intellectual exercise. This is people who listen to the word of God and they're interested in the theories. They know all about the creation theories they don't know the creator. They love talking about prophecy, but they don't ever want to talk about personal purity. They know who wrote all the books of the Bible, but they don't have a relationship with the one who the whole Bible is about, namely Jesus. You see, that's a crusty heart because it never germinates because it never penetrates. It's not personal. Here's what I would say to you. I would simply say this. If there has never been a time in your life when the truth of God's word, if, if there's never been a time when you've heard the truth of God's word and realized that's talking about me, 
That's me. If there's never been a time when this book thrills you, wakes you up, amazes you, angers you, shakes you, if there's never been a time when it even threatens you, leaves you speechless, the fact of the matter is maybe you're listening and hearing with a crusty heart. And it's just theory and trivia and information. Second question. Jesus went on and said, those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Here's the question I think goes with that. Am I listening with a shallow heart? Am I listening with a shallow heart? The seed never takes root. Do you see what it said in there? Jesus said they, they received it with joy. It's like they were like, woo, when they heard it, right? You know what I think this represents? The crusty heart is those who just intellect and cynicism and a cerebral pursuit. I think this represents people who hear it and for them it's an emotional event. It's an emotional event. Like they hear it and they're like, oh, that was awesome, right? They get all like excited. These people hear the word of God, they get excited, but there's no root. They only let it go so far. These people have an emotional experience, but they don't have a transforming encounter. I think that's who Jesus is talking about. And so here's what happens. Here's what happens. When trouble comes because there's no root, when, when the heat comes into their life, they wilt. They wilt. When, when the heat of life kind of hits them, they wilt. And what they really worship, when the heat comes, you know what it exposes? What they really worshiped is whatever they lost in the fire. Honestly. And so that's a shallow heart. And people with shallow heart, they don't see themselves as a sinner who needs a savior. They see themselves as a sufferer who needs a solution. I need a solution to my problem. Uh, they don't want a king as much as what they want. And maybe this is you, just be honest with yourself. They don't want a king to come in and rule and set up his kingdom. What they really want is a sugar daddy to be a part of their kingdom. Now, if we're honest, that, that's a shallow heart. There's no repentance. So when trouble comes, they fall away. They desert, they abandon. People with a shallow heart, what they want is they want the life of an oak tree without the roof system of an oak tree. You see... If I could just be really honest with you, I'm really, really afraid of people who have and can point to an event in their life but have no lasting transformation. Honestly, I'm concerned about people who maybe have a quiver in the liver experience but don't have a root system over time. And that's who Jesus is talking about. He doesn't stop there. He gives on a third. Seed fall among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they don't mature. I think the question here is, am I listening with a crowded heart? Am I listening with a crowded heart? Some seed fell into good soil. That's what it's saying here. The problem was that good soil had lots of thorns and things that kind of choked out the life. There's plenty of things that kind of were in the same soil and it eventually choked out any maturity. This represents people who have a shared devotion in their life. Like they hear the word, it grows, but the problem is there's so many other things that are just choking out what that word wants to do in their life. So they never reach maturity. They get choked out. You see, here's what I know. Whatever it is I'm chasing, that's the kingdom I'm planting. Whatever I'm chasing, right? What I won't give up, here, here, here's the way to think about this. What I won't give up to follow and listen to Jesus, 
Whatever I won't get up is really what I'm following. You see, I think the crowded heart represents people who never reach maturity because they got to share devotion, right? They got to share devotion. You won't let you want him to be king over part of your life. You ever heard that statement? I want Jesus to be part of my life. He don't want to be part of your life. He he really doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants your life. And so a crowded heart is saying, well, I want him to be part of my life, but I'm not sure that I want him to be the king over my sexuality. Or I'm not sure I really want him to be the king. I want him to be king, but I don't know that I want him to be king over my finances. Or I really want him to be king, but I don't know that I want him to be king over my priorities. You see, that's a crowded heart. That's shared devotion. And what happens is, all of a sudden, the maturity gets choked out. Which leads Jesus to say this. There's a fourth, and it says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble, that word means honest, and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I love that. I, I think the question here is, am I listening with a productive heart? I, am I listening with a productive heart? You see, here's what I know. You hold it fast, that's what he's saying, and an honest heart produces fruit. Am I listening with a productive heart? You see, here's what I can hear you say. I hear people all the time say, Dan, I'm going to church, I'm trying Christian counseling, I'm trying, and it's not working. The problem, listen to me, please. The problem is not the seed. When I'm sowing good seed into my life, the problem is never the seed. The problem is always the soil. And I gotta ask, do I have productive soil where God can grow this kingdom work that he's all about in my life? Well, it begs the question then. The question it begs is, how can I listen with a productive heart? And this is where we're gonna end. We're gonna end, I just, there, there's several things, but I think Jesus' half-brother's name was James. He probably would have heard Jesus teach this story. I think he helps us with this. Because he says something interesting in James chapter one. He says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, using this farmer theme. For it has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. Man, I think James has some things to say to us to help us know what it means to listen to the word of God with a productive heart. Can I give you four? Just four. First is this. I think the first thing is don't just read it, but let it read you. I think if I'm gonna read it with a productive heart, I gotta let it hit an honest heart. That's what Jesus said, right? That's willing to go beyond reading it to allowing it to read. Say, Dan, where are you getting that? James says it's a mirror. You know what a mirror will do? It's a mirror, by the way. It's not a microscope. A lot of people use the Bible as a microscope. And they look at everybody else under this microscope. You're not this, you're not this. It's a mirror. You know what a mirror does? It tells you the truth about yourself. You, you ever, you ever kind of get dressed one day, kind of walk around and you're feeling, I'm going to use some, some words that teenagers use, right? Or, or what they used to use, fly or swiggy D or whatever it is you look, right? You're looking all cool, right? And you're feeling good about yourself, right? And neither of those words I use, they use now. But you're looking good, feeling good. You're all confident. And then you go look in the mirror and like, oh, my fly was down or my shirt was button cockeyed. And you're like, ah, what does the mirror do? 
told you the truth. Like I had this perception, man, everything's cool. I'm walking around all confident. But the mirror told me the truth about me. You see, that's what James is saying. He says this, that if I'm going to read this with a productive heart, I got to let it read me like a mirror. I got to let it speak into me. I got to read it and say, show me, God, show me what you want to show me. And here's the second thing, though, and that's this. Don't just read it, but receive it humbly. You're saying, Dan, where are you getting that? Well, James said this, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. He's saying, I want you to acknowledge there's thorns that are choking out the ability for God's word to do what it wants to do in your life. And so what he's saying is this, I want you to weed. Let God's word weed the, the garden of your heart, so to speak. Literally, so that that's what it means to humbly let it plant in you. You gotta weed some things. You know, pride keeps us from weeding things out, right? I ain't got no problems. I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm not bitter, right? And, and, and the weeds and the thorns of bitterness and anger and pride begin to choke out what God wants to do in our life. You know, when I was growing up, my dad, his favorite thing was like, Dan, go weed the shrubbery beds, right? And so I'd go weed them, and I'd want to do it as fast as I could. I'd just try to get it done as fast. And he would come, my dad, He'd come and he'd say, listen, son, when you weed, don't just kind of like rip the weeds. He said, pull them up by their roots. I'm like, dad, that takes more time. Dad, I'm going to have to work a little harder. He said, yeah, but if you pull them up by the roots, they're not going to grow back. You see, I think that's what it means to humbly receive. I got to be humble enough to go to the roots of not simply I'm angry, but what's the root of my anger? Not simply am I bitter. Some of you are struggling with that. What's the roots of my bitterness? Not simply am I always sarcastic with everybody. What's the roots of it? I think that's what he's saying. And for me to humbly receive it, to say, God, I want you to pull the roots up so that I can humbly receive what you have for me. There's a third thing, and I think it's this. It's that I want to not just read it, but I want to respond to it quickly. Quickly. Uh, I think that's what Jesus was kind of insinuating. He says, hold it fast. That's the word he used. Don't delay in obeying. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Same guy, James, says this, to him who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. You ever said this? Like, I know, pastor, I've had people say this, pastor, I know what I need to do, just not now. I know what I ought to do, what God wants me to do. I just don't feel like it now. You see, I think what James was saying is this. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. If I want to listen with a productive heart, I'm going to have to somehow allow it to change me and then activate me. Well, God says something in his words like, that's not something that I'm used to. I've never done that. And I think what it is, it's a call for me to obey quickly. Why? Because the Bible says so? Listen, no. Don't just obey because the Bible says so. This is the message of the king. You see, you got to look at it different. If I want the kingdom to grow, i got to listen to the king. And if the king says, come, the king says, here's what I'm asking you to do, I want to follow the king. So these are the fourth thing. I think it's don't just read it, but believe it over the long haul. 
Both Jesus and James says, those who persevered step by step, day by day, patient perseverance. Transformation happens over the long haul. You know what I found, guys? There's a lot of people who will come and talk to me and maybe their life is a wreck. What they want me to do is they want me to somehow, at the snap of a finger, produce an oak tree. They want me to somehow, somehow make our marriage better, somehow make my life better, somehow I want my life to look like an oak tree. And what Jesus said is, I want to give you an acorn. And I want you to plant that acorn. And I want you over time to believe over the long haul. To day by day, step by step, allow it to take root in your life. In the middle of the storms, in the middle of the sunshine alike. Jesus says this, be careful what you hear. You plant good seed in your life. And be careful you hear that you listen. Do you listen with a crusty heart? Just be honest. Do you listen with a shallow heart? Maybe you listen with a divided heart. Jesus said, the kingdom is about listening with a productive heart. Allowing it to read you. Humbly receiving it. Let it pull the roots of whatever it needs to pull. Obeying it because it's the message of the king over the long haul so that it can take root as an acorn that eventually shows up as an oak. And so God, we're done. I thank you so much for this little story that has a really big idea. And God, I pray that this seed would land on good soil today and that it would grow what you intend for it to grow. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.